Welcome to the Robert J. Morgan Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you believe and cherish the Bible and to learn and love Christian history and hymnody. I'm producer Joshua Rowe, introducing your host, Robert J. Morgan. Be sure to visit robertjmorgan.com where you'll find Rob's blog posts, podcast feed, bookstore, free resources, and more. If you've not already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review. Now here's your host, Robert J. Morgan. Whatever happens, well, praise the Lord. That's our study of today, a continuation of last week's podcast. So if you haven't listened to that, you might want to go back and review it. It's a study of Philippians 1, 21 through 26. And with that, hello there and welcome to our Bible study for today as we explore the book of Philippians and Paul's life motto, to live as Christ and to die as gain. Just before I get into today's study, I want to tell you that thanks to the diligent efforts of my senior intern, Luke Tyler, we are now posting a digest of each of these messages as a blog on my website. Now, when I give a podcast like this, the word count is about 3,000 words. But, of course, when you talk, you use extra words. And so Luke condenses it down to uh, a readable format. And he also, in order to make it as simple as possible, puts an outline of it in a box at the beginning of the blog. And so you can go to robertjmorgan.com, look at my blogs, and find the transcript of this podcast condensed and with an opening outline that will give you the outline of these studies. So this is something new that we've just begun. I hope that it'll be helpful to you. And so you can find it at robertjmorgan.com, along with many other resources there. And I hope that you'll visit my webpage often, bookmark it, and share it with others. Well, as I said last week, we plunged into Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. For me, Paul said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And this is a verse of Scripture that many people have taken as a life verse or a life motto. It was written by the Apostle Paul when he wasn't certain about what would happen to him in Rome as he was facing trial before the imperial court. He didn't know if he would be set free or if he would be executed. But the important thing, he said, is not whether I live or die, but it's that Christ be exalted whatever happens. So look at what he wrote in Philippians chapter 1, beginning with about about verse number uh, 19. He said, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed. In other words, I don't expect that I'm going to collapse. I don't expect at all that God is going to allow me to deny the faith or to be confounded or to lose my composure. But he says, I am expectant that I will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And he goes on to explain this. He says, if I am to go on living in the body, that will mean fruitful labor for me, 
Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. So convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. So the motto in verse 21 summarized Paul's philosophy and all of his thoughts and all of his actions. It summarized all of his aspirations and all of his ambitions, and it should do the same for you and me. So look at the two options he gives us. He says, first of all, to live as Christ. What did he mean by that? Well, if you'll turn over to chapter 3 of Philippians, look at verse number 7. He explains it for us. He says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. He said everything in life is garbage compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Christ Jesus my Lord. So here and now, he says, the risen Christ through the indwelling Holy Spirit is what is most important to me. And in the same way, the risen Christ through his indwelling Holy Spirit wants to be your Lord and your life, your creator and your sustainer, your first thought upon awakening and your last thought before retiring, he should be the captivator of every motive and the motivator of every deed. He's a friend closer than a brother, richer than a trillionaire, wiser than a scholar, greater than a ruler. He came to give you life and to give it more abundantly. And Paul said, I want to know him because he is my life. Like a wheel spinning around an axis, our lives must rotate around him. Second Corinthians 5 verse 15 says, He died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Well, it seems from the overall paragraph uh, here in Philippians 1, the uh, next to the last paragraph of the chapter, that Paul was very optimistic about his potential release and I think that he was right in that optimism, as far as we can tell from all of the traditions we have in church history, the charges were probably dropped. I mean, after all, they were nothing but accusations that had been made by Jewish leaders in Jerusalem five years earlier. And so he expected to be released. And he said, living for Christ to him thereby would mean fruitful labor. It would mean serving the church for their progress and the joy that they should have in the faith. So he said, for me to live as Christ, it means that I'm going to go on living on this earth, providing fruitful labor and serving you for your progress and joy in the faith. And if the Lord gives us life, if he allows us to continue on for another year or five years or 10 years or 20 years or 50 years on this planet, then our life is for him to, to us to live as Christ. And that means fruitful labor. And that means serving the church that he has planted on this world for the progress and the joy 
and the faith of those who will follow him. So can you say, for to me to live is Christ, nothing else even comes close. Can you say, take the world and give me Jesus? Can you say, Jesus, the name that charms my fears, that bids my sorrows cease, tis music in the sinner's ear, tis life and health and peace. In the words of Ray Hildebrand, if I live well, praise the Lord. Well, the rest of the verse gives the other option, and to die is gain. Recently, a dear friend of mine told me about her brother's death and his going to heaven. He had been battling cancer without knowing that he also had serious heart problems. So he went into a rapid decline and passed away. He thought he was getting better from the cancer, but then he was overtaken by heart disease. But untold comfort came to this family and to his dear sister from what he said on his deathbed shortly before he died. He looked up and suddenly said, For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Well, what does it mean to die is gain? We'll look down at verse 23. Paul said, I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Now, there are four different words or phrases that Paul uses in this paragraph that shapes how we feel about dying, a biblical worldview of death. First, notice this word gain in verse 21. Kurdos. Paul said to live, Christos, to die, Kurdos. This is a word that was sometimes used in the ancient world in the sense of financial gain. So a man invests $1,000, and within a couple of years, he has made $100,000 on his investment. He invests that $100,000, and a few years later, he has a million dollars. He has made a good investment. That means he has made a large profit. That is the word kurdos, the gain that we have. When we die, we come into an eternal life of divine dividends. We come into our inheritance. And remember that Paul had been caught up to the third heaven, as he explained in 2 Corinthians 12, even more than us. He'd gotten a glimpse of what was awaiting him. It was a heavenly inheritance beyond description. It was kurdos. It was gain. And he was looking forward to it. Now, the second word to notice is the word depart in verse 23. Paul said, I have a desire to depart and to be with Christ. This was a nautical term in the Greek. They used it to indicate when a ship raised its anchor and loosed its moorings and sailed out from the harbor. Have you ever done that? Katrina and I took a cruise, I think, on two occasions, certainly on two, maybe on three. But on this, the first time we ever took a cruise, we flew to San Juan, Puerto Rico, and showed up at the port at the right time, and I rolled her onto the ship, and they showed us our room. It was a wonderful room with a balcony, and we were sitting out on the balcony looking at the harbor, and we heard the loud whistle blow, and we listened to the chains and all of the, the work that goes on as they get ready to, to push away from the pier, and we felt the, sh uh, the ship move, and, and we just sat there on the balcony and watched San Juan disappear 
as we traveled out into the open sea bound for some island. It was tremendously exciting to us. Well, this is what the word depart means, and that's the way that Paul was looking at his death. And notice the phrase, to be with Christ. He wanted to depart and to be with Christ. While we serve him on this earth, Jesus lives within us and around us by his Holy Spirit, but he himself and his physical reality resides in heaven. The moment we depart from heaven or we depart from earth for heaven, we are transported into his very presence and we will see him face to face. We will talk to him person to person. We will enjoy him friend to friend. We will worship him as servants to their master. We will be with him and with one another. He told the Corinthians, Paul did, that to be absent from the body was to be present with the Lord. And so we depart to be with Christ. And fourthly, notice the phrase, far better. This is the way we look at death. It is gain. It is a departure. It is going to be with Christ and it is far better. Paul said, I desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. This is better than better. It isn't just better. It is better than better. It is better by far. Suppose you came to see me in the hospital, and I was in constant pain, and I had a temperature of 104, and I was miserable. You would say, how are you? And I would say, I am miserable. I am languishing. I'm in constant pain, and I have a temperature of 104. But suppose a month later, you call and you ask, how are you? I'll say, I'm better. I'm at home. My fever is gone. My pain is less, and I'm regaining my strength. Well, suppose a couple of months later, you call and you ask, how are you? And I would say, oh, I'm wonderful. My family and I are at this moment on vacation driving down the Pacific Coast Highway in California, looking for a place to have supper as we watch the sun set behind the Pacific. I am healed, and I'm well, and I'm vacationing. I am better by far. That's the language Paul was using, and there is no superlative, superlative enough to describe it. And that's why we can adopt this as our motto. For to me, to live, Christos, to die, Kurdos, to live as Christ, and to die as gain. Earlier this week, I spoke to a very dear woman named Betty Bird. I hope that I can meet her in person one day. She and her husband, Cecil, served the Lord in Africa for many years until one night, January 20th of the year 2000. They had their teenagers living with them in their African home, plus a visiting intern. And on that evening, after a game of Monopoly, they headed towards their beds, and it seemed like just another ordinary night in Mozambique. But suddenly their son Daniel burst into the bedroom saying, Mom, Mom, did you hear those gunshots? And they raced down to the living room where four bandits with AK-47s came toward the house, entered and shot Cecil in the chest, killing him. The bandits robbed them and forced Daniel to escort them out of the area. Thankfully, they let Daniel live. Well, Betty recalled that in the days afterwards, this verse, Philippians 121, gained fresh meaning to her. She said, I claimed, Philippians 121, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
The dying part was for my husband. I knew that he had gained. While he was on earth, he very much said to live as Christ, but the Lord took him, and that was his gain. And now the living part was up to me. She said I was determined to make life worth living. Christ was and is my motivation, and God would not let me give up. Well, I was so intrigued by all of that that I researched her story a bit more, and I found a transcript of a podcast that featured her testimony. She says that she feels she is not the same person she was before this tragedy. She said, I'm stronger, I'm braver, even more joyful. I think I am more outspoken, she said. I have a little bit more courage. I don't even know how to say this, but in some ways, I have more joy. I've always been a happy person, and I've felt the peace and the joy of Jesus in my life, but I feel like my joy is growing and growing and growing even during these 17 years since my husband's death. She said one day while she was speaking at a convention in Atlanta, Georgia, she was praying about her grief. She had her Bible open, and she noticed that in Nehemiah, it says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. But then she noticed something she hadn't seen before. Just before it says, the joy of the Lord is my strength, it says, do not grieve. Do not grieve. The joy of the Lord is your strength. She said, I'd never thought about that before. From that day forth, I thought, all right, there's a time to grieve. But now is the time for grief to be ended so that the joy of the Lord can be my strength. And she said, she, he, he keeps just increasing my joy. To live as Christ and to die as gain. Well, I hope that you have a relationship with Christ like that. Or that you're determined to begin one today. A relationship that is so meaningful and real that we can say to live as Christ and to die is gain, or in the words of the little song that I quoted last week, if I live, well, praise the Lord. If I die, well, praise the Lord. If I live or die, my only cry will be, Jesus in me. Praise the Lord. Well, thanks for digging into the riches of the Bible with me. And I hope that you'll share this podcast with a friend. And remember to go to my website in a week or two and you'll find a digest, a slightly condensed version of this message under the blog section with the outline given in advance. And it may be helpful to you in your preaching, your teaching, or your studying. All of that is at my website, robertjmorgan.com. This episode was produced by Joshua Rowe and the marketing company, Clearly Media. Audio editing is done by Jared Brummett. Print editing and blog posting by Sherry Anderson and Luke Tyler, and music by Jordan Davis and Elijah Rowe. Thank you for listening, everyone, and may God be with you until we meet again.